0: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Today, we have an amazing man in the guest chair. His name is Walter Gaynor Second. Yes, the second. There was a first and there is a second. He describes himself as a problem-solving creative who really is all about the customer experience and just in a few moments, you're going to understand why. Walter has a natural skill in connecting and having successful experiences across multiple generations. And with a background in project management, this is certainly a skill that is coveted and needed. Walter, it is my honor and privilege and pleasure to introduce you to the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you. You know, I want to have like a copy of that intro so I can play it when I'm introducing myself. Like, I can't do it. Uh, Here's something from Monique. (laughs) That was awesome.
0: (laughs) You're more than welcome to just copy it and hit play and then run with it.
1: (laughs) Bridge to you podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Walter, um, I always like to get started with a fun question because a lot of my guests, they seem to have been very uh, successful world travelers. And so if you could choose to be anywhere in the world at this time, where would you choose to be and why?
1: Mm. Okay, I actually have two places. The first place, to be honest, is my grandma's house in my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, because my sibling, and my cousin, were just there. And they were having a huge feast and they were just showing me pictures of all the food, crab, mac and cheese, fried chicken, the whole works. So I really want to be there. <laughs> and then after, you know, I have this full course meal, I really want to go to Ghana. Ooh! I've never been to Africa. I got to go to China when I was in college for a month, but have never been to Africa. And during 2019, they did the whole people traveling was amazing. And I really want to be there. I want to soak up everything, learn and get reconnected, you know. Yeah, reconnected. There's a couple other places too, but I'm just going to stick with Ghana. That's, I'm going to put all the energy towards there.
0: Mm, you know, I've never been there either, but it is definitely on my list. And I'm like you. I want to come with you to the grandma's house because I like to eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I definitely going to have a good meal and then go and see the world uh, and have a different perspective. So I know that you were also homeschooled. And I feel like this homeschool view gives you a different view or perspective of how you see things, so I want you to share a little bit what that was like for you and what what impact you feel it had on your life.
1: That's a good question. Um, yeah, I was homeschooled, and I think what's kind of unique about it is that I was at homeschooled like my whole school life. Well, to be honest, I went to like alternative types of schools my whole life, but um I grew up going to Montessori school, which is a bit different from public school because it's more like hands-on type of learning. Like there's different materials you use. And I'm more of a hands-on type of learner. So that was really kind of perfect for me. You kind of pick up all these tools and you see, like, okay, yeah, I'm actually seeing when I multiply this by this, I get this. So it was like really great, really, really great, I feel like for kindergarten age. And then as you grow older, there's still different types of ways of get interactive with your learning. So I've had a lot of interactive, hands on learning experiences. And then Homeschooling—that was really interesting because I did not want to go to homeschool. I was entering high school. My mom's like, "Yeah, I'm not." You know what? She said, "My mom is very smart. She's very slick." She's like, "You go to public school. If you shadow a student there for a week," and I'm like, "Mom, I'm I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not doing that at (laughs) all." So yeah, I—you know—I gave up going to homeschooling very reluctantly, but I did it. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate it, but looking back, I'm so glad I did it because you really get to have control over how you're learning and not in the sense where like, I'm not going to learn this, not going to learn that, but you get to really create your own learning environment. So like I was talking about it with someone on my show and um, like when I was learning about the civil war, I got to go to like Fort Moultrie and Fort a couple other places where like battles took place and was really just in there learning with someone who's like a real big history buff just pointing out like, see this right here? This is how this happened here, all this. So um, you really get to create your own curriculum how you want it and still abide by the state laws. And I feel like that really set me up for everything else. Because when I was in college, uh, there's a couple of classes there. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to take this. I want to take this. And so like, it took a while for me to get it approved. I had to talk to a lot of people. Luckily, I had some teachers who were behind my back. It really taught me that the way things are laid out for you. I mean, it's great, but if you see a better way, why don't you go ahead and try to make that happen?
0: Mm, that's really good. You were homeschooled for the, your whole high school period?
1: Okay, so actually, y- yes and no. So I think technically it was like 10th grade when I started. And for 11th and 12th, so 10th grade, completely homeschooled, online school and a couple classes. It was just some people into things like stepdad. To English majors, we had English classes, and also really big in history, which is another cool thing because dates, not my strong. So I can't, you know, I know 1492, but other than that, I don't know. But I really got to learn what happened. And then um, in 11th and 12th grade, I actually took some dual credit classes at this local technical college. And for those who don't know, dual credit is kind of similar to the AP classes. So when you're taking classes, they count towards your college credits but I was actually taking them at a college so it was kind of crazy like I took a chemistry class and that was the first time I took chemistry but it was a college level class did not do well science is not my subject I love science but mm, not as a student so um 11th and 12th grade I was a dual credit student at college so most of my classes were at the college and the counted towards high school and college
0: First of all, I love your experiences and I love your stories. And I absolutely love that you feel so positive about this whole experience looking back because I am a big fan of homeschool. I homeschool one of my sons and I have done it for four years. And of course, when he started, he was not interested in doing it either. So it was World War (laughs) 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 War 63 and then finally we got into our groove. But what I really appreciate about your stories is that you're highlighting the fact that you get to learn in a way that really suits you best. And you get to go a bit deeper into the subject matter. You get to actually go into the, you know, visit the history locations and, and see things for yourself. And I feel like that's sort of a similar influence into what you have done with your podcast. Mm-hmm. I know your podcast is all about boss locks. And it breaks down, you know, stereotypes about people who wear their hair with locks, dreadlocks. I mean, you have locks in your hair, I have locks in my hair, and it really focuses on redefining professionalism. When I see people who are challenging the status quo, or who are really being vocal about things that are different and outside of the the norm of conformity, I always like to find out about their experiences and what really shaped them and how did they get to develop this mindset and awareness you know, to really say, okay, I'm comfortable with choosing an alternative route. And you just highlighted part of that journey for us with your homeschool experience. So my question to you is, when you were choosing this podcast, Boss Locks, I know that having locks in your hair as a black man will be met with some resistance, with some rejection. I want you to talk a little bit about some of that rejection but I really want you to focus on the success like from that experience what have you what have you learned what have you garnered from that experience
1: very good question and also I didn't even like associate the homeschool experience with like coming up to me be able to lead this podcast that's very interesting I didn't even connect the two but it makes a lot of sense Um, so thank you for that definitely have to thank my mom for that too but um, as far as my experiences It's definitely been interesting. I like to say, like, my lock journey, my personal growth journey, my entrepreneurial journey, like, everything's really intertwined. So, like, I can't have one without the other at this point. As far as rejection, one thing that's interesting about hair is sometimes people, and this is before, like, the Crown Act was big. For those who don't know, the Crown Act is a bill that's being passed in each state slowly by slowly that basically protects people in the workplace and schools for having natural hair. But um, at the times, so I'm thinking of, you know, people were still, they didn't always point out your hair. So they, there's always other reasons, or maybe it's just subconsciously and even know it. that leads to certain rejection. So I've definitely been in interviews where it you just really don't know sometimes, like why they chose to go another way, because hiring managers really, they could do whatever they want. And it's hard to prove certain things. So I can't really point to all, a lot of experiences. But I do know that when I was in high school, I worked at Jimmy John's and the Sams, the super fast subs. I could make a sandwich in like 15 seconds. Like it was not anymore, but at the time I was like getting it through. And Jimmy John's is notorious for their rules. Their policies are super strict. Like they wouldn't let us put pickles on a sandwich if a customer requested it. And they had a couple of things around grooming and everything. And, my hiring manager they they hired me at the time, like without question, and they were like planning on making me a manager and everything. But every now and then when corporate came, you know, they would just scour the whole thing and like this a few times they got knocked off, because grooming. That's all they put and but we all knew it was like uh probably what with the locks. So um there was a few times where they would ask me to like, you know, come in a little later or just wait, come in and everything and at the time, I was like, okay, cool, yeah, they're looking out, you know, they're not trying to get points knocked off, they're not trying to fire me, so it's cool, but kind of looking back on it, and uh, my girlfriend helped me realize this as well, sometimes I think we kind of diminish things or just sweep it under the rug, but I was like, you know, a true leader in that moment would bring me in and not try to hide me, you know, it's, uh, it's like all these little things that sometimes go unnoticed, but um, they happen. And they happen whether you're a black man or a black man with locks. Sometimes it's just together, and really together, it creates this whole image in people's minds of like danger and criminal behavior and all that stuff. So, um, you know, there's a lot of times where people, upon first impression, are intimidated by me, which I think is like kind of crazy because I say I'm a walking, talking ball of sunshine. There's like literally nothing to fear about me, but still, just like seeing me, people feel a sense of fear. Now it's on the rejection side. Now on the other side, I've been very blessed to be able to walk into a lot of different places and be accepted. Like um, I've definitely been hired. Um, my first job out of college, I was hired and then even like questioned my locks. I remember like when I first got them styled, I was incredibly nervous. I was kind of walking in like, all right, this is it. I don't know what they're going to say, but they um, kind of accepted me and then questioned my CEO one time. He was like, I think we were talking about it. I don't know why. And I was like, man, I think your locks are cool. Like, <laughs> They're all white there, so like it's it's kind of interesting uh, with hair. I think sometimes we, of course, hair discrimination is super real. There's a lot of stories, and they're all legitimate. But um, I think sometimes it's kind of internal or with our families that we kind of build up this negative association with hair. So sometimes the rejection isn't even in the workplace, but within our own, in our own like families and friend groups, kind of our safe spaces. So there's times where I haven't been accepted, and unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, but sometimes you just really don't know um they'll say something like, "Oh, you know, we just went with someone else or uh blah 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 but I've definitely been in like um different environments where my hair could have been questioned, but it wasn't and that's I think I like to showcase that a lot because you know just like when I had you on just showcasing that like, you are in these spaces because You know, a lot of people think that it's impossible, like it can't happen, but definitely can.
0: I agree with you there. And you're right. It's like, you really don't know what can be influencing someone's decision, especially if it's related to hair. And I find that the hair is connected so much to our sense of self and our identity and how we feel others are perceiving us personally when you talked about sometimes having that challenge within your own family, I can relate to that because I remember people saying, when you going to take the things, the things out your <laughs> hair. <laughs> one time I had a headache and, you know, one of my family members were like, you know, you probably have this headache because you have those things in your hair. <laughs> and I'm like, the things in my hair is my hair. So, you know, whatever. But, you know, what I want to share now or talk about now, because, you know, this show is really about us connecting Black cultures, Black people worldwide, really highlighting our stories because united we stand, divided we fall. Mm. And this whole division has definitely been around among Black people and Black cultures. But uh, for some reason, a lot of my guests and myself, we have not bought into, we have opted out and we don't subscribe to that division. We subscribe to unity. So, Have you ever felt disconnected or divided from other black cultures
1: mm. only a handful of times and nothing really big traumatic i think if anything i myself so i guess another thing with my journey is like i've my lock journey, my personal journey has been a lot of like self-esteem growth and it's you know something to work on like every day so i think for a while I myself felt disconnected or divided, but if I look back, like, each time, like, I was fully accepted. My cousin and I were talking, and it's like, we kind of grew up as, like, alternatively Black and everything, so there's definitely things on, like, the traditional Black experiences that I didn't experience or, quote-unquote, missed out on, but even with that difference, I learned that, I mean, it's fine, you know, it's like, so what you don't know about this or that, but you just don't try to make any jokes about it because you really don't know, at the end of the day.
0: Tell me more about mm-hmm. that, about the alternative be Black.
1: Alternatively Black. So, yeah, well, I'll just say homeschooling, that right there, that's not a traditional thing. I literally know a one other Black family. Uh, there are three brothers. And I met them, I was like, wait, you're, you're homeschooled too? They're looking at me like, you're homeschooled? Like, what? It was like <laughs> we both came together like, oh, my God, we're not alone. So that itself, um, I went to a boarding school for middle school, um, so that's another alternative thing. And that was in like agricultural-based schools. We went on like long hikes, um, like through the mountains, carrying everything we need to survive. And that's traditionally like more of a white thing to do. And I was playing soccer growing up from eight years old all the way into college too. And matter of fact, I remember when I was in high school, I was playing at this tournament. And right before the tournament, there was this like youth football games going on and then i was walking i was walking i was with like one of two black people everyone was white or latinx and um there's this one black kid he's called I look at me he's like you play soccer i was like yeah and he's like is that a white sport and i was like man no There's people playing soccer all around the world but as far as in america goes like that's not something that black people do either so there's a lot of different things and kind of growing up around more white people that i experienced that and were doing that black people wouldn't necessarily do and I think some of that probably led to me feeling like I wasn't a part of the culture but at the end of the day you can't stop the fact that you're black and Mm. one thing I've learned through my podcast as well my first guest was talking about like the 8,000 ways to be black and I think as I grew older I started to see it more when I was in Charlotte and this kind of sounds ridiculous but it was really kind of shocking to me when I moved to Charlotte after college I went to this party and there was like these artists playing and it was like a punk band but they were all black. Everyone was black and they're playing like punk music like going hard and like in my mind like back in Charleston like you don't see that at all. So like there were no black people playing punk or listening to punk or any of that so that was um, a big shocker to me. and kind of made me think like oh wow everyone here out here playing like instruments they're playing punk music like not even trying to do anything else but punk music like that was kind of crazy to me but it was cool another thing I played violin growing up and this is like the one thing I always wish I kept doing um I will say soccer really took over my life like at one point I was playing on two different teams but I played violin played after watching some German kids at my school do it, and their mom was a teacher, and they were really good. I was like, okay, I want to try that. So, like, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to do that. Anything or something and I was like, let me try that. That was decent, but that was another thing. Just like another thing that I was doing that, you know, I didn't see a lot of Black people doing it, especially like doing it professionally. Now, I think it's really cool that I'm seeing all these different Black artists playing violin and adapting like hip hop music to like the violin thing. So that's another thing, you know, they had. If any time they did like a rendition of a song or violin, it was never like hip hop or any black music, but now you see it a lot more. So I feel like I was doing a lot of things that I did not see other black people doing. And I probably felt some type of way about it at the time, like felt uncomfortable. So
0: So your whole journey, I mean, I know our exposures really influence our beliefs and how we see things, how we see the world how we see uh, different people engaging. And so when you were growing up in the predominantly white communities or white areas, I know when you said you felt this sort of disconnected within yourself. So what did you do to get back or reconnect to this this sense of self or this journey that you were on? Hmm. What were some of your defining moments to say, you know what, I may not have felt connected to my Black heritage or my Black culture, but this thing happened and it it really changed my perspective on how I see myself. Because you show up as a very strong Black man who is comfortable in who he is. Mm. And you're using your platforms to amplify others' voices. So I'm just curious. When was that, or did you have a moment or moments that really helped you reconnect? Yeah, that's
1: a good question. I think um, I think sometimes people who also grow up alternatively black and feel disconnected, sometimes they disassociate, and sometimes they're getting like ridiculed by other black people. But I will say most of like any criticism, me say I'm not black enough, or whatever came from white people. And one thing I always knew that I was definitely black, Uh, my family, like, my grandfather, my grandma always says is like, my grandfather's like confused for Malcolm X, like on like regular back in the day. And like, my grandfather's told me all different stories about things from like racist incidents, like some involving the KKK, and he kind of survived those. So they always kind of taught me that you are a black man. And they always taught me about like, the history, the culture from like a empowerment standpoint. So I always felt that, like that was always still there. And I think as I grew older, I started to realize that a lot of these things were in my head. Like I was always accepted by black people. Like um, in high school, like I think sometimes it's what people do, like when they walk in a class for the first time, trying to figure out where to sit, Uh, where are the black people? Okay, there they are. I would still do that, just naturally go. And it was all cool. In college, there were more black people playing soccer. Um, I remember this one time where I was like doing stuff and like hanging out with people and I went over to with the black people. And there's this one guy was like, oh, now you want to sit with us? And I was like, what? So I kind of left them. But that was like that one incident. And after that, it was cool. Like we're all close and everything. And then also moving to Atlanta. That was really interesting. And that was a real shift in my mind because you see black people, Low places, high places, all and all, walking different lives. So I think with each, during each phase of my life, I started to understand. Is it, it really has been a journey, like everything else. As a locks grow as well, you start experiencing different things too, and you just, um, I think that just as I grew older, I just felt more connected.
0: I certainly see how that shift, uh, that exposure to come into Atlanta, could help really open up things differently. Because when we see when we see what is possible for us or when we see, you know, people that look like us doing multiple things, it can definitely shape the way we now think about, you know, an entire industry profession or community. So it sounds like your your Atlanta uh, relocation story was really, really instrumental in unlocking some of that for you too. Very
1: much so. You know, sometimes I feel I don't know about you, but sometimes you feel like, you know, you grew up in an area and then you leave. Like I went to college out of state and then I didn't go back home. Like I visited, but I didn't go back. And sometimes I feel bad about that. But I think kind of like you just mentioned, you know, the me living in these different places was growth and uh, just coming into who I was. Like I started Boss Locks before I moved to Atlanta, but moving here and seeing everything that I'm seeing really helped shift and shape how not only how I think about myself, but how I think about the purpose of everything that I do and how it impacts our community. So,
0: yeah. That's really good. So for this question, I want us to kind of play for a little bit because I want to tie into your marketing expertise and your project management expertise relating to the topic. So if it's okay with you, I want to play for a little bit with this hypothetical rhetorical question.
1: All right, yeah, let's go.
0: If, if you will. So we now have this project and this project is a project where we have a group of people who have been uh, conditioned and, and exposed to a lot of marketing messages that focus on division amongst themselves as a group. And so our job now for this project is to find out a creative way. You're very creative, Walter. So we, we have to find a creative way to shift those perspectives but we can't move them to a new location we only have a $500 for a marketing budget Mm -hmm. so based on this these conditions how would you begin to advise us on executing this project to achieve this goal Mm,
1: can't move them to Atlanta huh uh (laughs) (laughs) let's see $500 okay you know actually I think I was thinking too much about the price. Like, what can I do with $500? Well, if I think about it? Like, Boss Logs, I started with $10. Um, not even. Started with, actually, yeah, I'd say probably $50 because I spent money on a mic and this kind of tripod mount for this iPad that I won to and just started recording. I think that sometimes we kind of get caught up with how much money we have and don't have. But there was this interview with, it was on The Breakfast Club with Kanye, and this is back when, I don't know if anyone remembers, but he was going like, how How can I do it? And I remember Charlemagne on the other interview, was like, you know, real revolutionaries didn't need money. He's talking about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. They just went and spoke. But I think perspective is such a powerful thing. And that's kind of what is used to really keep people back. But what I would do is just start introducing a new perspective. And I think social media is a real powerful tool. So I would go, know with my camera and I would treat someone to a lunch or a coffee or something like that and just ask them questions about how they are living so I kind of identify people who are living that opposite perspective and start just trying to capture that and share it with others Um, I would do a lot of maybe like on the ground just walking right trying to catch up with people um, and really just kind of capturing people's stories and I guess if Or Boss Locks, which is capturing people's stories and changing that perspective. Yeah, honestly, I feel like that could be done without spending any money. If anything, it would be gas money. Uh, (laughs) And let's see, $500. Um, I've learned that when it comes to social media ads, you could definitely do a lot with a little bit. I mean, obviously, when you want to do like a lot a lot, that's when the money comes in. But you start like promoting some of those videos and everything on social media, you could... um, Sign up for different marketing automation tools and try to get people on to different announcement things. So I think if anything, spend money on like graphic design and like creating content, maybe having people on your team, just like treating them to stuff and try to just get them to join the movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I absolutely love that. I feel like where we are right now with technology, that is something so doable. You're already doing it with your show anyway, and this is what this show is about. So, I mean, you have really shared so much of your stories with us. I want to recap for our audience just some of the highlights and the nuggets that I felt were really, really insightful. So in terms of just really understanding yourself, connecting with others, Walter shared his story with us and his foundational shaping of alternative environments and alternative exposures. This is really critical in establishing a new perspective and a different way to kind of see things in the world. And then with that alternative environment, it now gave him the impetus when he went off to college to start to advocate for something different because he was exposed to something different outside of the status quo, outside of the norms of conformity, and then choosing to start his podcast with Boss Locks. The next really critical point is that disconnected feeling of connecting or being connected to other Black cultures. It also stems from a, a disconnection of self. And I hope you guys catched that piece. I hope you guys heard that piece. Because when we start to really connect with ourselves, that's when we can really connect more powerfully with others all around us. And finally, when you have an opportunity to share or shift perspectives, just highlight the alternative. You don't have to try to push against the status quo. You don't have to try to sway someone else. Provide an alternative perspective using the power of your voice. You can always go ahead and take that person out for coffee because food is always Always good. good. But make sure that you amplify those stories using technology in a powerful way. So, Walter, I just want to thank you for coming onto the show. And before we start to wrap up, I want to ask you, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience?
1: I would like to share that you are an amazing host. This is really cool. And that breakdown thing, I was like, oh, wow, I said all of that? Like, it makes me feel great, man. I, lo- I love this show. I love this show. And, um, yeah, I think kind of as an extension of everything, you just wrapped up one thing I've learned Is that, you know, when you're in these spaces, like basically if you just think about like how can someone connect with you if you don't even know kind of who you are. So I think that with everything, once you really understand who you are and also trust and accept who you are, even if it's different or not accepted, I think that's when you really start to see yourself growing. like I'm all about the new growth. So I think that that uncomfortable period of time is really crucial and important and looking back I don't think I would change anything like any of the fear of insecurities that came about because it all just contributed to who I am so yeah that's what I'd like to share
0: well fantastic that is just amazing Walter I am so grateful to highlight your stories and your voice as a black man with boss locks in his ear amplifying the voices of others all right, Walter. And so for our listeners, where can they find you if they want to connect with you further?
1: You know, anywhere you find Bridge to You, you can find us too. Um, BOSSLOCKS, all one word, B-O-S-S-L-O-C-K-S, stands for knowledge, knowledge yourself. So don't forget the K in BOSSLOCKS. Um, we're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that, BOSSLOCKS. And, you know, if you go and find us, send us a message, let us know you came from Bridge to You. Uh, we're also working on this whole Working While Black series. So, you know, just let us know if you're interested, too. Well, I'll send you a lot of guides and tips and resources to get you plugged in. But, you know, Boss Locks, find us everywhere.
0: Guys, make sure that you subscribe to this show. You can listen to this on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, on my website, clearcommunicationsolutions.com Don't forget to leave us a review. Let us know how we did and what you liked about this show. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit Clear Solutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit MarketingPodcasts.net.